Well, a very good morning to you all, and uh, hi to everyone in uh, home on Zoom. Uh, we call it the Zoomers and the Roomers, so uh, it's good to have you all today. Thank you very much. Just before I actually preach, um, just give you a little bit more of an update of where Anne and I are up to. Um, I think last time we were with you, it was virtual. It was uh, on the Zoom. And uh, I was sharing, I think, in March that Anne and I had felt that for this season of our lives, for this next year or two, we really feel that God's calling us to serve more locally uh, than we've been. So for the last few months, we've been serving at our local Christ Central Church, which is in Macclesfield. And uh, that's been really good for us and encouraging, hopefully, for them. It's actually interesting that we've got some very, very close friends who live very local to where we live. Uh, we can walk to their house. We're in a, a community that some of you may have heard of. No one had heard of Handforth up till recently, but a certain council lady, Jackie Weaver, has made our council very famous. But uh, it's been great to better walk to them and uh, fellowship with them and uh, have uh, time in their garden and more recently be able to go into their house. So that's been good for us. And also the couple that was with us in Manchester, in Christ Central Manchester, Dave and Joe Atkinson, are now leading the church in Macclesfield where uh, we've been going. So they've been very encouraging to us and very uh, wanting us to be part of what they're doing. Uh, we haven't yet got a plural eldership in Macclesfield. In fact, that's been one of the battles for the church over the years, is to find a plural eldership, more than one or two elders working together. So uh, we're trying to help them with that and stand with them in that and kind of encourage them in that. So that's been a little bit of an update of where Anne and I uh, have been at. And uh, thank you for your, lots of you, when I said that in March, lots of you commented back and encouraged us back. And thank you for the elders here for their encouragement and uh, their provocation in that. So it's been a good journey of us. Uh, but it's been weird for us all, isn't it, this last year? It's been just very strange. Well, just before I preach, I have to disclose something to you, and that is that you're going to hear this message twice. So one of the privileges of uh, when Anne and I used to live on the south coast, uh, Hastings, Eastbourne, is that uh, Terry Virgo, who is based in Brighton, always used to trail his Stonely, or for some of you even older than that, Downs Bible Week messages to the local churches, kind of like the first, for a few weeks before he then brought it to Stonely or Downs Bible Week, etc. So I kind of got used to that. And that's something I've done over the years. And uh, just this next week, Anne and I are going down to Horsham, uh, to a studio in the church there, and we're going to be recording the messages for Devoted. As you know, we're going to be devoted online again. Uh, and thank you again to all those in Sheffield for all the support you're giving, particularly for the children's work. Um, we think you guys are amazing and we love what uh, you're doing with Going Bananas. Well, I thought I loved what you were doing with Going Bananas. A little bit better. And uh, I thank you for that and we really appreciate it. So I'm going to be recording this message this next week in uh, Horsham, uh, sort of, I would say live to camera, but it's like dead to camera. Do you know what I mean? Some of you preachers know what that means. It's like you're just giving it to camera. And I thought, do you know what? Before I do it dead to camera, I'd like to do it live 
to some friends. So you're going to be hearing this message, I think, at the Devoted Online, but this is the first time I've shared this word. In fact, I say it's the first time. I felt God spoke to me out of this passage during lockdown several times, actually. And then when I shared it with the apostolic team, Ginny, I don't think Ginny's in the building today. Hi, Ginny and Stuart, if you're at home watching this. Ginny encouraged me, said, Jeremy, that is your next big word that you need to bring to us as a movement. So I said, thank you, Ginny. It's very helpful. And uh, didn't put any pressure on me at all. But uh, I just want to preach to you today from the transfiguration of Jesus. Now, uh, it's in Luke chapter 9. If you've got a Bible, Luke chapter 9. And I'm going to be reading from verse 28 down to 36. Do you know, as I've started to study this, I've realized there are not, there's not a lot written or preached about the transfiguration of Jesus. And yet it's such a major event in the New Testament. It comes in all three synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the gospels that are very similar to one another. John's a kind of very different gospel story, same story, but written from a very different perspective. But the synoptic Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it comes very clearly in all three. And then two of the eyewitnesses to this, Peter and John, pick it up in their writing. So Peter, in his letter, he mentions the transfiguration twice when he talks about when we were on the mountain with him and we saw his glory. And then John, the other eyewitness to this, the other gospel writer, kind of alludes to it in his prologue in John chapter 1. We saw his glory. And we touched him, we had, but we saw his glory. So this is a revelation of the glory of Jesus. I'm going to read it to you in Luke chapter 9. About eight days after Jesus had said the things that he was saying before, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. And two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. And they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as the men were leaving Jesus, <laughs> it just makes me laugh, Peter said to them, A master, it is good for us to be up here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at the time what they'd seen. Father, I thank you for what you've already been speaking to us this morning here in Sheffield. Thank you for that great encouragement from Wendy and Steve that there are gifts and treasures locked up within us. And I want to ask you today that your glory would come and fill again, and that again there'd be an unmasking, there'd be an unveiling, there'd be an unlocking of the vaults 
so that the treasures would be seen not just in the church, but in community, in life, in neighbourhoods, in offices, in schools, wherever we are this time tomorrow. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just want to look at the, uh, the, sort of, like the main characters, if you like, in this amazing story, this amazing true story of Jesus' unveiling of his transfiguration. Let's look at Jesus first. He's transformed as he prays. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him up a mountain to pray. As they were praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as flashes of lightning. So many key events in the Bible happen when we pray. I think of Acts chapter 13 in Antioch. As they were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them. They laid their hands on them and they sent them off. The first missionary's journey, the first apostolic adventure out in terms of church planting happened in a prayer meeting. This is a prayer meeting. This is Jesus praying and calling his disciples to pray. I feel freshly stirred that God wants to reinvigorate our prayer meetings. God wants, I mean, I love you guys here in Sheffield. We've loved being part of the Sheffield prayer meeting. It was one of the things that first attracted us to be with you for those years. Just that Friday night prayer meeting where God came in his glory. And I just want to encourage you again, even as you come on Sunday nights now, God is going to appear in his glory at prayer meetings. God's going to turn up in prayer meetings. Prayer meetings are going to be at times when the unveiling of Jesus is going to be seen and we are going to see his glory again. He was changed. It's the interesting. It doesn't come across in this version that I read. I, I, I wasn't sure which version to read. Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. I, I settled on uh, Luke. But in Matthew and Mark, the word there is he is changed or transformed. The Greek word is metamorphumai, like metamorphosis. It's a, it's a change. It's a transfiguration. It's a change. It's an unusual Greek word. Apart from the transfiguration, it's only used a couple of other times in the New Testament, and one of them is really key. We'll come to it later. But as they pray, Jesus, his glory, his true glory is revealed. Dear friends, as we pray, as we've done this morning, as we've worshipped Jesus, as we put Jesus at the centre of all we're doing, as we really are what we say, it's like we, it really is what it says on the tin, we really are Christ central, as we really are focused on Jesus, actually, dear friends, we see his glory. He's going to change. He's going to change us. He's going to reveal himself as we encounter him. Secondly, Moses and Elijah. It's like the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. Verse 30, Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. It's interesting, both Moses and Elijah are both men of prayer, happens at a prayer meeting, and both men of mountaintop experiences. This is on a mountain. Remember Moses receiving the Ten Commandments, the glory of God coming down as he's praying, receiving it on a mountain. Elijah, fun enough, it was my reading this morning. I'm doing 
Nicky Gumbel through the Bible in one year. And uh, uh, just this morning, my reading was Elijah. On the, I just thought it was amazing. Elijah on the mountain, and suddenly it's the glory of God coming, and it's not in an earthquake, it's not in the thunder, it's in that whisper, still, small voice. And yet, Elijah up a mountain encounters the glory of God. And these two men represent something amazing. They represent all the promises of God, all the faithfulness of God down through the Old Testament. Every time God has promised, you can kind of sum up the whole Testament, the whole Old Testament in this phrase, the law and the prophets. Moses representing the law of God, representing God's truth, God's goodness, God's word, God's commandment. And then Elijah representing the prophetic, representing what God has said, his power, his glory. And these two men representing that. In fact, Jesus, when he's on the road to Emmaus, do you remember that amazing story when he's on the road to Emmaus with those two disciples and Jesus he is not revealed yet. Jesus is incognito. They've not had their eyes open yet to see who this stranger is who's walking with them. And Jesus says this to them in Luke 24. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, or the law and the prophets... He explained to them all that was said in the scripture concerning himself. Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. As Paul is going to later write in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. And so through Jesus, the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. This is Jesus coming to fulfill all of the promises. Now, what are they talking about with Moses and Elijah? It's interesting, verse 31. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment. In other words, to fulfill all these promises in Jerusalem. The departure of Jesus is the cross. That's the destination point. That's the culmination of all the promises of God coming together in Christ to be fulfilled as he gives his life for us on the cross, making way for relationship with us for eternity. There's no glory without the cross. Later, Jesus will refer to the cross as the hour of his glorification. John 12, it says this, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. We kind of think the, re the, the resurrection is the glory. We kind of think resurrection, glory. Actually, Jesus says cross, glory. It's as he's lifted up, it's his hour of glorification. As he's fulfilling all the promises of God, as they're like telescoped together, as they're like brought together on the cross, Jesus is fulfilling all of this for us. Moses and Elijah, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. And then we come to Peter. I like Peter. He, he, he's a very Jeremy sort of guy. He's got a 
mouth the size of his foot. He opens his mouth and engages his tongue without engaging his brain. I have a lot of affinity with that. If you ask Anne, she'll say, oh no, don't say that, Joe. Oh, you shouldn't say that. I'm an external processor. I don't know what I say. I don't know what I think until I say it. And that's a problem sometimes <laughs> because I've already said it and you can't take it back. And I just... I just, all the way through the Bible, it's like Peter, Peter, I think, oh yeah, I, I associate with Peter. The first time I met Julian Adams, the prophetic uh, guy that we worked with from South Africa for some time, he says, Jeremy, you're a Peter apostle. I thought, thanks very much. <laughs> Peter, old ways of thinking. Peter said to the master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters. The word is tabernacle, tent. It's the same word for tabernacle. Let us put up three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. And it's like, I think in Peter's mind, it's this. When the glory of God last came on a mountain with Moses, Moses, his face shone with the glory of God, and Moses came down the mountain and set up a tabernacle. He sent up a tent for the glory of God to dwell in. So, Jesus, I think we're into multiplication here. You know, we had one tabernacle before. Hey, let's get three tabernacles. Let's get three tents. Isn't this good? But it's old thinking. And I just think God wants to really speak to us as a movement and as a family of churches as we come out of this lockdown, and hopefully within two or three weeks, masks will be off, life will resume in some degree of normality, God wants us not to revert to old ways of doing things. There are new ways. There are, to quote Wendy and Steve, there are new treasures to be brought out. There are new gifts to be brought out. There are new things to be brought out of the vault of God. This is not resume. It's not normal service will be resumed soon. This is reset and refresh. And God wants to do new things amongst us. And we're not to return to the old ways. We're not to return to the old ways of doing it. We're to come out of lockdown looking different and behaving differently. Now, if you say to me, okay, Jeremy, what is that then? I don't know. I really don't know, but I believe he's going to speak to us about it. I mean, Peter didn't know. That's the point. He should have shut up and just worshipped and just enjoyed Jesus. He tries to organise Jesus. He tries to administrate Jesus. And Jesus doesn't like people administrating him. Jesus, it's like, don't put him in a box. Don't, don't put him in your way of thinking. He'll break out of that. What are we going to look like coming out of lockdown? Friends, I don't know. At home, you know, you guys, we're, some of you are there by, by choice. Some of you are there because you've chosen not to come. Some of you are at home because you can't come this morning. But soon things are going to, what's it going to look like for us as we come? I don't know. But I do know this. God wants us to encounter him. And it brings me on to my next point. The father... These are the characters we've been looking at in this little cameo. Jesus, Moses and Elijah, Peter, the father. And what does the father say? Listen to him. Jesus has got some things to say to us coming out of lockdown. 
There's some prophetic revelation to come to the church. There's some new words that are going to come. I want to speak to the prophets here. I want to speak to the prophetic men and women and children and young people in this church. God's going to speak some words to us. He's going to speak words of release. He's going to bring treasure out of these vaults. He's going to bring new words and new things. They're not going to be new as in, oh my goodness, we've never thought of that. No, they'll probably be things that resound or, or, or affirm what's come before. Because like the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. And yet God will bring out some new revelation. It's like Jesus said, the good scribe out of his storehouse brings things old and things new. And there's some new things that God wants to speak. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. The message translation of Matthew says this, this is my son marked by my love, the focus of my delight. Listen to him. People say how God spoke to me. There are only three times in the New Testament, oh sorry, let me correct that, three times in the Gospels where the voice of the Father is heard audibly to those around. Sometimes they said it sounded like thunder. This is one of them, Jesus' transfiguration. They almost all say the same thing. This is my son whom I love, listen to him. The other two are at Jesus' baptism. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. The other is where Jesus is praying in John chapter 12, where Jesus is talking about his hour of glorification. In other words, the cross. And Father, glorify your name. And he says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it. And the Father speaks words of affirmation publicly over Jesus. In each of those settings, it's always about the death and glory of Jesus, whether it's here in the transfiguration, whether it's Jesus praying, or whether it's about him going down into death in baptism and up into resurrection. The Father speaks these words over Jesus. And I believe God's calling us afresh to listen to the words of Jesus, to be what I said earlier, truly Christ-central, truly focused in and around him. So I think for this season, I want to speak to you as a local church and say, listen. Don't just go, yeah, yeah, we know. Peter thought he knew. Oh yeah, we know. We know how restoration churches, we know how charismatic church, we know how this works. We know, we know, yeah, we know. No, you don't. There's something new God is going to birth in us. There's something that's going to change as we come out of lockdown in terms of the church being the glory of God in life, in cities, in towns, in homes, in schools, in colleges, in life. God's going to do something different. I don't know what it's going to be, but I feel it inside. God is going to birth something new in us that's going to radiate out his glory. How do we respond? Well, we respond like this. We focus on Jesus. This is my son. Listen to him. Whose face is shining like the sun. We fix our gaze on him. We fix our eyes on him. We're not looking into notebooks about what he's done in the past. We're not even looking into history to see what he's done in the past. We're looking to the face of Jesus. We're looking to him because this is my son. Listen to him. 
He's going to say some stuff to us over these next few weeks, months and years. Matthew's account of this says this. When the disciples heard this voice, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Isn't that lovely? He came and touched them and said, get up. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw nobody except Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? We, our gaze is to be fully on Jesus. And in doing so, we're to fall down and worship him. Whether that's literally falling down, lying prostrate. I think it means prostrate of the heart. Because you can lie down in your body and be standing up inside. <laughs> but it's a sense of just like Joshua encountered the captain of the Lord's host at Jericho, outside of Jericho. And suddenly he encounters this glorious one. And once he understood who he is, he falls down and worships him. It's the only appropriate response. And I think God is going to do something more with us in worship. One of the things that has worried me and concerned me most about lockdown is how we've taught and trained our people very well to be spectators. Very well to be watchers of things that other people are doing. And God is changing that. I was so blessed by the way Beth introduced the meeting today. I was so blessed by her encouragement to all of us to use spiritual gifts. And there's a fresh encouragement in the spirit. Don't be a spectator. Don't be a watcher of things. Be, a, be included in it. And we're to fall down and worship. And in that, I believe we're going to sense... The fresh voice of Jesus to us personally, don't be afraid. Wasn't that beautiful? Somebody brought that again today. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be fearful. Was it you, Rachel? I can't, who brought, I can't remember who brought it. Was it Rachel? Rachel? Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. He touched them. And Jesus, even this morning as we end this meeting, Jesus wants to touch some people. He wants to speak to you afresh. Don't be afraid. I'm doing something new. It's going to be different. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be challenging. But I'm with you in it. And they saw no one but Jesus. Isn't that lovely? You know, sometimes we can be so aware of those who are leading us. And that's good. We're told to honour those who lead us. But Jesus wants us to be enraptured with him and I know the heart of the leadership here which is the heart of Christ central leadership which is we lead people to Jesus we don't lead people to us and we want you to listen to him we want you to be enraptured by him and we want you to listen to him see that that comes out so strongly listen comes out in the baptism listen Peter, when he's writing about this years later in 2 Peter chapter 1, twice refers to the voice on the mountain. You know, he's so impacted about the voice of the Father, but what did the voice of the Father say? The voice of the Father said, listen to Jesus. And I believe Jesus more and more is going to be speaking to us in this season. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. If you're a sheep of the good shepherd, 
you will hear the voice of Jesus. Doesn't matter how young you are, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how educated you are, doesn't matter how disadvantaged you are, sheep are going to hear the voice of the shepherd. I love what Mary, the mother of Jesus, said at the first miracle. Before, see, yeah, we, know, we read the story, Jesus does, loads of, Jesus does loads of miracles. That's what Jesus does. He's the miracle maker. The way maker, miracle maker. Yeah, that's who he is. That's the, but he hadn't done any miracles up to this point in John chapter 2. His first miracle, before he did anything. Mary, such faith in her son, when the... The wine runs out. You know, if you were going to do a miracle, that probably isn't the first one you'd think of. It might be the first one I thought of, but you know, generally it's not the first one you'd think of. I'd probably walk on water before I made it into wine. I'd probably heal a leper or raise someone from the dead. No, this is the first miracle. It's going to be water into wine. But what does Mary say? She says, listen to him. Do whatever he tells you. What great advice from mum. What a great advice for leaders. What a great advice for us. Listen, whatever he says, whatever he says, do it. And lastly, us. A good preacher of the Bible will always paint you into the story. See, well, I'm not in the story. Well, actually, we are. Because the word that Matthew and Mark used for transfigured is used another time in the New Testament. It's actually used twice, one in Romans chapter 12, transformed by the renewing of your mind. But here in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it's exactly the same Greek word. It's just in most of our English Bibles, we're not consistent and we don't use the same translation or the same translated word. And it's this, we all, we all, with unveiled faces, unmasked faces, hallelujah, don't you wait to rip them off. I'm going to have a bonfire and oh, I've, got, I've got them in every pocket of every trouser and shorts and pocket in the car. And I don't know how many of these jolly things I've got. I'm going to burn them all. Because we with unmasked faces, hallelujah, shouldn't say that, I won't say that on the re devoted recording. I can say it here, I'm amongst friends. We all with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, and we are being transformed. It's the same word, we are being transfigured. You are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You're in this because the transformation, the transfiguration of Jesus is a prophetic statement that he is the temple. He is the place and the, the temple of God is no longer going to be bricks and mortar or a tent in the wilderness. That was the tabernacle, the temple, but Jesus is the fulfillment of the temple. He's the fulfillment of the tabernacle. And do you know what? It doesn't finish with Jesus because Jesus produces a multitude of temple, mobile temple glory carriers. And that's you, the church. 
It's us, the church. That's the New Testament revelation is that we are not just followers of Jesus. We become like Jesus. We're in Jesus. We're grafted into him. And his life now by the Spirit is our life now by the Spirit. And as he, his glory was revealed, glory is going to be revealed in us. You are glory carriers. See, that's what the New Testament says this. You are, 1 Corinthians 3, you are God's temple. You are God's temple. You're the tent. See, Peter had it half right. God wants multiplication. He says he didn't want three. He wanted three billion. Tents, tabernacles. These tents, they're just tents. But these tents, these tabernacles, these temples are going to be filled with the glory of God. And you are glory carriers. When you go to school, when you go to the office, you see, it's now, well, past our, past the preaching time, sorry, but it's like quarter to 12 on a Sunday morning. We're in church or we're on Zoom, quarter to 12 on a Sunday. Where will you be quarter to 12 tomorrow morning? Just think about it. Where will you be? Well, just think about it. Where will you be quarter to 12 tomorrow? Because that's where God wants you to shine the glory. That's where God wants you to bring the presence of God. That's where you do bring the presence of God. And the truth is this. Our friends and neighbours see more of the glory of God in us than we realise. I can tell you I haven't got time now to tell you story after story. People have come to Anna and said, there's something different about you. What's different? Oh, you're this, you're that. They see something. People see you at school, they see you're different, they see you at college, they see you in your workplace. It's because you're a glory carrier, you're carrying the very presence of God. And this is what Paul says, and we'll end with this. Because we don't just reflect his glory like the moon reflects the sun. That's just reflected glory. We don't just reflect his glory, something happens in us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, for the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus came saying, I am the light of the world. That's pretty impressive. Of course you are, Jesus. You're the light of the world. He then turned to his disciples later and said, now you are the light of the world. Dear friends, we are designed to be glory carriers of the presence of God. Wherever you are tomorrow, God wants you to shine that glory. And he's going to give you opportunity to declare his glory. People are going to ask you questions. You're going to come across circumstances that need words of wisdom. You're going to come across people who are sick, who need healing. You're going to come across people who are depressed, who need life. God's going to reposition, he is repositioning us right across cities and towns to be the glory carriers of God. Now I'll finish by a quote from, I've been loving, I'm a great Tim Keller fan. And uh, just on holiday last week, I read Tim Keller's, Keller's new book, Hope in Times of Fear, which I thought was all going to be miserable. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because Tim Keller's been going through a cancer, I mean, serious cancer diagnosis, and it's all pandemic. I thought, oh, this is going to be a hard one. It was a glorious book to read. I'd encourage you, very easy reading. And he wrote this. This is so fitted in with what I want to say. 
all the lines and themes of the temple converge on Jesus. He is the sacrifice. He is the priest. He is the altar. He is the light. He is the bread. He is the blood. He is the glory. And when we unite with Christ, that same glory presence of God that dwelt behind a veil is now in us. And being a Christian makes us partners and participants with Christ in his work to spread the healing and energizing kingdom power throughout the world. Because Jesus is the temple, we are the temple. Because Jesus is the high priest, we are now priests who can bring others to God. Dear friends, let's just pray.